Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I am very excited to have Kathleen Trotter with us. Kathleen is a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, and author of Finding Your Fit, a compassionate trainer's guide to making fitness a lifelong habit and your fittest future self, making choices today for a happier, healthier, fitter future you. Kathleen has been a personal trainer and a fitness expert for almost 20 years. Welcome, Kathleen. So glad to have you. Oh, I'm excited to be here. And you know, it's funny when you hear your bio and really what you feel on the inside is just you're kind of a messy human trying to muddle along um, and do the best you can. And then you can buy and you're like, is that me? You know? And so I don't know. I just feel like when you talk about health, it's easy for people listening to hear a bio like that and think like, oh, well, she must have, you know, always be motivated and always want to work out and, you know, always want to eat her vegetables. And I want to start out by just saying like, nope, you know, I think that health can be or is most of the time very messy and complicated and fun and complicated and fun, you know, like, all of those things at the same time and sort of bounces back and forth between something, you know, really additive and enjoyable to your life and then a little bit of struggle in a global pandemic or if you have a family or if you have a new job and like it's, it's complicated and we're all sort of doing our best. So that's my reaction to hearing my bio is like, Oh my God, am I, do I not, I feel very different than the bio makes me. Well, way to make yourself less intimidating for all of our listeners. Well, does that, but does that jive with you? Like, do you, like, do you think about when you think about health, don't you think about sort of almost like just learning how to struggle well and learning a little bit how to ride the wave of life and be like, okay, today's not perfect, but like, how do I course correct and how do I get back on and how do I muddle through? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So the other day I was in line at a restaurant and I saw a patient next to me and when she saw me, she was like, Oh my gosh! I just or I, I I normally order healthier than this. <laughs> That's so funny. You know what's funny about that to me is often when I'm alone and I'm struggling with a decision to make, and I start to like shame or belittle myself or think like, oh well, who cares? I'll do whatever I want. Then I think, wait a second, Kathleen, what would you say to a client, and or what would make you proud if a client was here with you? And so I think there's always that a little bit of like we are. Life is a dynamic ecosystem of relationships. So there's always a little bit of like, what would that person think of me? What would I think about myself relative to that? You know what I mean? Like, it's all, that's always part of the equation. And I try to think a lot of times if I go into sort of shaming, like, Kathleen, you're being bad. And then I think, wait a second, Kathleen, you wouldn't say that to a client saying, like, what can you learn from this experience? Right? So it's just, I don't know. I think life is interesting when you can step back and you can think, I was an alien from outer space looking down at all of these people. You know, what would I think of it all? Right, right, right. (laughs) Everyone muddling. So, but also I'm jealous that you get to go to a restaurant. I'm in Canada and we're in another very strict lockdown. So no indoor dining for me. Gotcha. Yeah. Everything's so different depending on where you are in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that I I like to think of COVID as just sort of an analogy of what life, like it's sort of an amplification of what life and health always is, which is just this constant struggle where there's so many things we can't control. um, But health is about learning how to control what you can control. So, you know, I can't control if the restaurants are open or not, but I can control. Do I go for a walk to manage my stress or do I phone a friend or do I, you know, what do I do and what can, what do I, I have control over and I feel like that's what I'm really trying to emphasize with all my clients is like yes this is a very challenging time of life but life is always challenging to varying degrees and how can we learn to do our part to manage our part of our lives you know yeah absolutely so in the midst of all of that so people are have all of these various restrictions they're trying to find what they can control and what they can't how do people find a way to be fit that works for them what does that look like 
I absolutely adore that question. Um, and you can tell from the name of my first book that it's finding your fit. And so that's, I think that was really key part of it is that we tend to get into this like shitting ourselves, right? So we should do this and we should do that. My favorite celebrity does this. My best friend does this. Kathleen does this, you know? And so I really try to help my clients step back and say like, stop shitting all over yourself and let's figure out what works for you, right? I know. When you first said that, I was like, did she say that? No. Okay. That's not what I meant. Yeah, exactly. I didn't swear but it is a swear word in um with me and my clients of like that's not a helpful productive way to think about it so instead like just thrive in your own lane like what works for you so you can think about it in the past when have you been most active like did you have a fitness buddy did you join a running group did you train for you know a 5k race did you set up a gym in your home Mm -hmm. so I think knowing who you are like in the book I talk about four fitness personalities right the sort of competitive bunny the fitness gym bunny the kind of more home bunny the multitasker bunny the person who has to you know walk and take conference calls or you know make walking the dog an interval workout that like that kind of idea um and not that you are only ever one personality because those things can change as your life goes on and they can also you can be a meld of them so you know on days that you're really busy at work maybe you have to be that multitasker where you take your kids to soccer and you're doing like lunges and squats on the sideline while they have their soccer you know practice or game something like that or you're you walk to and from work so you maximize that commute time Um, and then on weeks that you're less busy with work or less busy with the kids then you can go to the gym and have more time at the gym Mm-hmm. Um, but the point of the fitness personalities is not that you have to like pick one and stick with it, um, but that you have to know yourself. I think it's Socrates. It's like know thyself. And I think that's really key with health and wellness because listen, it's, you can do something you hate or something you don't enjoy, you know, once or twice, but fitness and health is about what you can do consistently, right? The benefits of the best anything are moot if you can't actually do it. So if you think, well, running is the best and I should be running, mm-hmm. but running always causes you to get injured or you hate running or it's really icy and snowy and, you know, you have osteoporosis and it's dangerous to run or whatever it is, you're not going to run. Mm-hmm. So can you walk or can you get a treadmill or can you do dance aerobics in your house, right? So um, I think that that's the key is like to know yourself and to really appreciate that, being active has to be thought of as a non-negotiable, mm-hmm. but um, how you're active is up to you. And the problem is, is that if you try to make yourself, if you should on yourself and you say, well, this is the way that it has to be, and then you don't exercise, then that's way worse. Like, so the second best version of working out that you do, that you actually do, is way better than the first best, quote-unquote, best. I don't know if I believe that there's a best, but in that idea of, like, well, everybody's doing it in the magazine, the best program, you know, that program is, is totally useless to you if you can't make yourself do it. It. So yeah, consistency is so important and convenience is so important and finding something that even maybe if you don't love it, at least something that you don't despise. Um, I don't know what do you do. Like what's your activity that you like, or at least that you don't despise? Yeah. So I rotate. So I will either go running or I will go to the gym and I will do the elliptical, the bike or the stair stepper 30 minutes a day. And then I do something that's like 15 minutes of resistance exercise. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, but I love listening to audiobooks and podcasts and. Oh my God, me too. We're totally sisters. It's so motivating, right? Because you're learning something, you're inspired by somebody interesting and smart and interesting ideas. Mm -hmm. um, And then you're actually moving at the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I totally hear you. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Oh my God. I love that phrase for sure. And finding the recipe of success that is your recipe takes time. So you also just have to be willing to put a little bit of effort and trial and error into it. And what I like about what you said that you do is, first of all, you're getting that cross training. So you're doing cardio of different types. So you're um, giving your body, you know, a break from the higher impact running while you do the the elliptical, but you're also getting some strength training and some core. Um, I'm assuming you probably also do a little bit of flexibility. So you're getting all three of the pillars of um, fitness, right? So you're getting the flexibility mobility you're getting the cardiovascular and you're getting the strength and I think that's really important for everybody to think that this balanced three tiers and all tiers are important because they complement each other so I'll just give an example so people can sort of understand um let's say you really love weight training you're like Kathleen I don't care about cardio I don't want cardio I don't want to stretch I really hate stretching why would I stretch it's stupid but you want to squat 
Well, if you don't have enough ankle mobility, you're not going to be able to squat properly and you're going to hurt your back, right? Because the body is going to do the squat, but it's going to do it by overarching or letting like your hips go to one way. Um, so that's how mobility then supports the squat. But then let's say you're like, Kathleen, I hate, I hate strength training. I just run to run. I don't want to stretch. I'm like, okay, but let's say you're running up a hill. Well, again, your ankle needs mobility. So if you cannot um, move through the ankle, get enough dorsiflexion, then what are you going to do? You're going to hike your hips. You're going to arch your back. So that's where the mobility comes into running. You need to be strong to run. If you don't have single leg strength for running, you don't have core. If you don't have balance, you're, you're going. Your biomechanics are going to be off. Like when you run, you have to dissipate up to six times your body weight. Right. So you need that single leg support. So I really, in my second book, I talk about this idea of health, like fitness. Your fitness mix, your recipe for success, your um, nutrition recipe for success and your mindset recipe for success. And within the fitness one, I really emphasize this idea of that there's these three pillars. Uh, and what I like about understanding the three pillars is that once you have something like you have a sport that you really love, or you find something that you do really love that keeps you active. Like my dad, for example, plays hockey. It's a very Canadian sport. Um, but like then he will make himself do the sort of balanced mobility stuff because that allows him to play hockey and stay strong. He's almost 80. I love to run. That's what makes me do my strength training and my stretching. So I think that when you understand how everything fits together, you can also encourage yourself to do the parts of fitness that you might not like as much because it will help you do the sport or the activity that you do love. So that could be playing with your grandchildren. That could be playing tennis. That could be playing soccer. Uh, it could be anything. It could just be the ability to walk up the stairs at your office. But if you know there's a goal or something you want to do, then that can be motivation to do the things that you don't love as much. Sure, yeah. Initially. And then after a while, as you probably would say as well, the, it, the activity becomes the reward in itself, you know, because like you get the endorphin boost or you have that. Yeah. 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 So yes and no. Right. And I do think this sort of ties back to what I started with. I agree that the more you do something, the easier it is because the activity becomes reward because you know that it's part of your identity. Like I am an active person. I am a runner. That's very helpful. I know that I always feel better after a run. Like I have that runner's high. I feel strong. I feel proud. Right. Um, but I also want people listening to know that it's not that it's ever 100% easy for me. And the reason why I'm emphasizing this, um, and some people listening might think, sort of like, well, that's a little bit of semantics. Like, what does this matter? I actually really do think it matters to say that active people are not always active because they're motivated. They're always active because they've created like habits and systems and self-talk that kind of nudge them to be active. So you create environments that support your goals, you get a fitness buddy, um, and you have the self-talk to say to yourself, okay, I'm not feeling this workout today, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know I will feel better afterwards. Or you join a sports team and you show up for your, you know, your team. Um, but I think it's too easy. If you think that people who are active are sort of always motivated, then as soon as you have a day where you're not motivated, you think, oh, well, I'm not destined to be fit. So who cares? I'm going to give up. Whereas if you have a day where you're not so motivated and you think, oh my God, Kathleen was talking about how she also had a day where she wasn't motivated. Um, and she just got up and she did it anyway. So I can do that too. Um, so often I tell my clients that like actually action sometimes um, actually has to precede emotion, right? So you don't have to feel the desire to work out to work out. You have to work out and then you will then you will feel that motivation. Mm -hmm. um, and look at it a little bit like a job, right? Like if you have a job, you don't wake up every morning and think, oh my God, I want to go to work, right? <laughs> Even if you like your job. Sometimes you think, well, I'd like to watch Netflix or I'd like to stay in bed or I'd like to have a bath. Uh -huh. But you go to work anyway because that's the professional thing to do. Sure. And that's the trick to get into with health and wellness. It's like you wake up in the morning. Like, do you think I wanted to get up at 4.45 this morning? No. But like I knew it was my plan. I knew I would feel better if I did. I had to self-talk some ready to go um, it's part of my routine so when I woke up and I thought I don't want to do that. that's really like and I just thought you'll feel better if you do it and if you go back to bed when you wake up in an hour you'll still not want to get out of bed and then you will feel unbelievably frustrated with yourself that you didn't do it so get up and do it and then I felt better um 
but that's so many things and 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 most of it is just me knowing mm-hmm. that I don't always feel loaded and it doesn't matter yeah so it sounds like you're kind of describing the difference between the immediate reward and the long-term reward like yeah yeah can you talk a little bit about that like the different the why is it important to have long-term fitness goals that you're working towards in order to continue to get you to make those decisions when maybe you don't necessarily feel like it yeah, I love that question. I think there's a lot of ways that we could go with the answer. Uh, I think that there's there's an element of long versus short-term reward, but there's also just an element of um, knowing the body and knowing sort of the cognitive distortions that we play with ourselves. So my second book is Your Fittest Future Self, and that's really because I try to work with my clients of understanding that the actions that we take in this moment create the future us that we are becoming and I think that it's really easy to think oh I want to be fit or I want to be able to work out or I want to run a marathon but what we don't realize is that the only way to become that person in a month or two months or six months is the actions that we take in this day so the best way to, to reach any long-term goal is to learn how to control um, your desires at the moment mm-hmm. right and so Tom Bilyeu um, of Impact Theory Podcast he always says like you know, don't let the desires of the moment derail you from your goals of the future. So I think, so that's one of the things I really try to work with clients on is this idea of like a productive pause. So when you want, when you have a want or a desire, you know, I want that cookie or I I want to skip my workout and and watch Netflix or whatever that desire is, um, you know, I want to punch somebody in the face. Well, you don't do it, right? Like you take a pause. And for the most of the time, most of us don't do it. I hope people say don't do it. Um, there, I guess there's a few of us that do, but I do definitely do never punch somebody but like when I think, like, ah, and I think, well, no, that's not the thing I want to do. And I want people to sort of get there with their health and wellness as well. They can think, yeah, I want to skip the workout. And then they think, nope, I'm, I don't do that. I'm not a person who skips the workout. Just like they think, like, I'm not a person who punches something. Like, that is not a productive way to behave in a civilized society, right? And so if you think about your health and wellness as sort of your society, like your civilized society within yourself, right? And there's sort of rules and regulations and rules of the game. So I think that's part of it is learning to just pause and say like I have this long-term goal Mm -hmm. um, and what does the person of the now need to do to complete this action of the future Um, and that's where you can have these sort of short and long-term goals and medium goals so you can say you wake up in the morning and you can be like okay my goal for today is to work out my goal for the week is to have done five workouts in the week and my goal for the month is to be able to go from walking 10 minutes to be able to walking 45 minutes or whatever that like that would be that could be you know a, a day a week and a month goal but that is you can't get to the end of the month goal if you don't do the the day goal and that's I think we get ahead of ourselves often like we really make these very very large like I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to lose 100 pounds or I want to run a marathon and we don't break it down into the small steps that sort of need to be taken Um, but part of that is is that we don't recognize that there are certain um almost like physiological loops, like things like hormonal changes, but also just like thought patterns and cognitive distortions in their brain that are very common to us as humans. So when we fall into them, we sort of shame ourselves and we think like, oh, I'm the problem. When really the answer is no, this is just a human thing that happens to us and that I have to find a way to override it. So I'll just give you an example connected to what you're ta- what we're talking about. So there's a, there's a cognitive distortion called present bias. So present bias is basically however you feel in your brain is how you unconsciously feel like you're always going to feel. So January 1st, you're really motivated to get in shape. So you think, I'm always going to be motivated. Now, it's not a conscious thought. This is just a, like, you sort of think, like, I feel this way, so of course I'm always going to feel this way. Yeah. So you, so instead of making steps of how you're going to stay motivated for the next like year of your life, you just think, oh, well, the exercise, it'll just happen because I'll be motivated. But then, of course, 6 a.m. comes around a month from now or a week from now, and you're not motivated, or work comes up, right? So that's that problem of we have to realize that all human beings fall into present bias to some extent and create systems 
for our future self. So have that fitness funding, join a class in advance so that you show up because you've already paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same goes for when you are, you wake up in the morning and you feel really tired. You think, again, it's totally unconscious. Your brain thinks, well, I'm tired now. So I'm always going to feel tired, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to learn to override that and say, no, this is an example of present bias. Like this is literally a cognitive distortion. My brain is playing tricks on me just because I'm tired in this moment. If I get up and I walk around or put on some music for a couple of minutes, I'm not going to be as tired. My future self will feel differently. Um, But it's so easy to get into these shameful spirals of, oh my God, I slept in again. I was supposed to get up, but I didn't. I'm so frustrated. Instead of just thinking like, okay, you probably will wake up tomorrow morning and feel tired. And that cognitive bias will like kick in. So what is the system that you put in place so that your brain doesn't control you, you control your brain. So the system I put in place is my alarm clock is across the room and it has Britney Spears playing. I love Britney. So I, my alarm goes off and I'm tired, but I have to get out of bed to turn my stupid alarm off. And then I turn my alarm off. But by the time I'm out of bed and over to the alarm, I'm more awake. And because it's Britney, I've sort of started to like wag my butt a bit and dance. So I'm a little bit more energetic. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going to go back to bed. So I get up and I do the workout. Like, so that's a system that I've created, which you know, won't necessarily work for everybody because some people have, you know, people that don't want to get up at the same time. They don't want the alarm across the room or whatever. But I want people listening to start to think okay like what are systems that i can use so that the momentary desires don't override my long-term goals because ultimately this moment is the only moment we have control over and it really impacts all of my future selves how i feel and how you know how i feel about myself and my integrity and my pride and how fit i am and you know how much sugar i have and and etc 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 so i don't know does any of that land with you do you have a system like how do you not fall into your momentary desires well with respect to workouts i've uh fortunately i've been doing it for so long that it uh, it's i don't even think about it it's the same time every that's day. awesome it's just so, a normal yeah. it's just a pattern it's just a thing. yeah but i mean there was a time it was so long ago that i could hardly remember but i will say with other kinds of things what i've started to do is i will create a to-do list for the week and awesome. uh, because my schedule is somewhat variable, like I can't always control what's going to happen when, mm-hmm. uh, for some things then I have a week list as opposed to a daily list. I like that. I like that. I that. Get done. And then I get that little dopamine hit when I cross off something from yes. the list. I'm like, I'm on track kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of my routine every week. I end up creating the new list of what do I need to do in mm-hmm. each one of these categories so mm-hmm. that nothing slips through the cracks. And if something's a priority for the day, then I'll make it bold. So, so those are kinds of ways that. I love for me, yeah. yeah. So, so what I love about that, that, so that strikes me, that makes me think of sort of two things. What I like about it is that you're being intentional. And I think that that's a really key part of health. Like, again, I think that we think like, it'll just happen. I'm motivated in this moment. So, you know, I'll be able to fit the work I did. I won't have to think about it. And as you said, eventually, the more habitual it becomes, obviously, the easier it is. Right? Most of us don't think about not you know, skipping, brushing our teeth. Like it just happens. Like there are certain things that they weave into the fabric of our lives and our identity and they become easier and easier. But in order for them to become a habit, they do have to be intentional at the beginning. So I think that's the key word is intentional. And for most people that's in, you know, at the beginning of the week, sitting down and looking at scheduling out when you're going to work out or different things, like different blocks of time. Or for you, it's like, what's, you know, what are my priorities for the week? But it's like bringing it to your, conscious awareness mm-hmm. um, and how everyone's going to do it is different depending on their life their kids their work all that stuff it's right. some type of in the in the future what am I like in the next week what am I going to do how am I going to intentionally fit this in is really important and I think the key there is it's both the important to schedule the time to do the things but it's also important to have scheduling time like have you know 10 minutes every morning that you you look at what's important or half an hour every Sunday where you plan things out and again how you do that is going to be up to you and and your life but the fact that somehow it has to happen I'm a big I love the book The One Thing Mm -hmm. uh, Gary Keller and he talks a lot about that like you know he actually 
actually gets you to look at your entire year. And he, you know, he's, he's like, you schedule in three things. You schedule in your vacation, you schedule in your planning time, and you schedule in your time for whatever you think your one thing is, the top domino that's going to positively affect everything else. Um, I'm not arguing into it for the year, but I do think intentionality is really key. Um, making a schedule, fitting it in, um, and figuring out what's in, like what you can say, like what you can say no to so that you can say yes to the things that matter. Because if you say yes to everything, like that's impossible, right? So life sort of takes over. So um, I, I love that sort of kind of scheduling aspect of, of what you said. Um, and just a lot of the times for people, like our lives are very busy. So, so much of it is figuring out in advance, like how can you make everything slightly easier, slightly more convenient and slightly um, less friction so that might be ordering like a food delivery service that might be on Sundays cooking a bunch of healthy meals so they're in the fridge um, so you sort of look in advance at what needs to be done what are the ways that you can set yourself up for success you know maybe that's talking to your spouse so you know he takes the kids in the morning so you can work out and then you take the kids in the evening so that he can work out whatever that is and then at the end of the day or at the end of the week, look back. And so do sort of like a post-game analysis, be like what worked, what didn't, what do we have to tweak, you know, what I, what should I be a little bit more intentional about? So looking at it all with a little bit of a uh, growth mindset, right? Like how can I learn from this experience and what worked and not in a shaming way, again, like not in a, sh- you should have done this, but in a like, okay, interesting. Like, you know, my goal is to lose 10 pounds. Okay. So what did I do that's getting me closer to my goal? And what did I do that's sort of detracting from my goal? And how can I change that? Or my goal is to do 50 pushups or my goal is to be able to run, you know, 10 K, whatever your goal is, you know, there are things that are going to be moving you towards it. And then there's things that are going to be sort of pulling you away from it. And, and that's only, you can know what your goal is and only you can know what your life realities are. But no matter what your goal is, no matter what your life realities are, you have to find a way to intentionally make it happen or it's a wish. It's not a goal. Yeah. And so you're talking a lot about trying to keep track of small victories so that you can make sure that you assess that you're on target and you're not kind of veering into the weeds. That's, that's totally Oh my God. I, okay. So can I just tell you, I think that you're my new best friend because while I was talking in my head, I was like, oh, I had one more point that I wanted to make because you talked about the dopamine hit and the little wins. And that was what I was going to say. So there was a podcast episode of uh, Andrew Huberman, who I really like. He has his own podcast called the Andrew Huberman show. He's like a um, neurobiologist from Stanford, but he was on, I'll send you the link so you can include it in your show notes. He was on Impact Theory with Tom Dillio, and they talked about it. The whole podcast really was about growth mindset in connection to little wins, in connection to dopamine. And if you care about this topic, it's such an interesting, um, he's such a really smart human being, but it really is this idea of dopamine is a future-centered um, hormone. It's what makes us want to do more and grow. And the problem is to get a goal in the future, you have to stay on path. And the way to stay on path is to sort of harness the power of that dopamine hit. I'm like, oh, I get that reward. I get to cross that off my list. You get that little hit of I did something, I got the reward. And then that will slowly allow you to build to the bigger reward. So I think that's a really smart point. Um, and I think it's just really cool. I think understanding the science of what's behind like what's in us our physiology and how to harness that is so important because I think like if you take the idea of little wins most people kind of look at little wins when I say like oh you gotta feel good about your little wins they sort of think I'm like being I don't know, like, (laughs) yeah, exactly, condescending or cute or, like, wishy-washy or, like, oh, Kathleen, you're being easy on me. Like, why should I care that I had a glass of water or why should I care that I crossed, you know, a workout off my Excel spreadsheet? Like, don't be stupid. It's kind of the look I get. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is hardcore science. And by diminishing your little wins, it means that you're probably never going to get your big win because you do not run a marathon without all the training that comes to complete the marathon. And you do not complete all the training if you don't have a way to make yourself do the training so each 5k run has to mean something to you each time you do your stretches has to mean something to you and how you make it mean something is by stopping knowing that you did it and said you did that that's great and that doesn't mean you don't stop it doesn't mean like oh i did this 5k i stopped training for the marathon it's not that by noting your little wins you stop working towards your big goals that's i think that's what i think people think it's like oh well if i start 
congratulating myself on the little things. I'll just like give up and be lazy. And it's like, no, it's actually the opposite. If you can congratulate you on your little steps along the way, then you're the person who completes the marathon. I'm not obviously I'm using marathon as a metaphor for like whatever your goal is, right? And listen, I've run enough marathons to know that the challenge of the marathon is not the race. The challenge is the four months leading up to it where it's like cold or really hot and you have to do a 30K run all on your own and you have no support or you've just done a big race and you're tired or it's a big run yeah. and you have to do another big run and you're exhausted or you're on vacation and you have to find a place to run like that's the challenge and that's where knowing that you did it and being proud of yourself is like yes and then you get to keep going and I think that that's huge for people and that's why doing like a family challenge you know so you get like a movie night when you get the most steps in the week or you know a push-up challenge or something with friends where you're you know trying to make really cool new healthy food or whatever it is making it challenging and fun and then knowing those wins is such a big deal mm-hmm, absolutely well and you also alluded to the growth mindset can you talk a little bit more about what that is I love you. Pick up on these. Oh, I, 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 I really enjoy this. <laughs> I love people who are good at interviewing. Um, so growth mindset, Carol Dweck, um, wrote a book called mindset and I'm a huge, huge fan of Carol Dweck. I think she's also Stanford. Um, anyway, it's a fantastic book, whether you're a teacher or a parent, or you just have goals that you want to accomplish because she really talks about this idea of existing uh, and fostering, creating within yourself a growth mindset. So it's not about perfection and it's not about having a fixed mindset. So fixed mindset is like, well, however I am good at something now is how I will always be. So why even try? And a lot of times that is really connected to like unhealthy striving, unhealthy perfectionism that keeps you, um, paralyzed right it's like well I'll never be good enough so I might not even try um where the growth mindset is like I don't know how to do that yet so yet is a really big word in the growth mindset paradigm Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah I can't run a marathon yet Mm -hmm. how do I learn how to run a marathon oh I go for a 5k run today um and growth mindset's really about using all experiences as data so you don't shame yourself so it's not like You know, let's say you say to yourself, okay, I am going to um, always go to bed by 10 o'clock so that I can wake up the next morning fresh from my workout. And then you don't go to bed by 10 o'clock. So it's not like you're saying like, oh, you're, you're stupid and you never fulfill your goals. You think, okay, so interesting. Why were you not tired? Oh, well, I kind of had coffee at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it was probably the coffee has a quarter life of 12 hours that helped me be more awake at 10 o'clock. So that maybe I need to have my last cup of coffee at 10 a.m. in the morning. Or maybe you think, Oh, interesting. I had a really late dinner. So I probably was still full. So I couldn't go to bed or I opened my computer at nine 45. Well, duh, I wasn't tired at 10 because I was back at my work email. So it allows you to step back and um, just analyze everything without that feeling of shame and worthlessness and it allows you to straddle the middle ground right so you're not saying that oh well who cares I stayed up past my bedtime it doesn't matter you know whatever I'll never be a success because I'm you know I can't stick to my goals that one side of the 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 pendulum swing but it also doesn't go to the other side of the pendulum swing of you know like you know you're a loser and you know this so it's it's you it doesn't go to either um extreme of self-talk of like, well, you're lazy or, you know, so it allows you to just take that middle ground of I'm holding myself accountable. It does matter, right? So one side of the paradigm is like, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then the other side of the paradigm is like, you know, you're a loser and you're never going to succeed. But this is like the middle ground of like, it actually does matter that I stay up, but it doesn't matter because I'm a loser. It matters because I want to stick to my goals. So how can I learn from this experience? And um, I I just think it's, it's really fabulous. It's been a, it's been a, such a game changer mm-hmm. for me, that, that growth mindset paradigm, because it just allows you to hold yourself accountable, mm-hmm. but in a way that's really productive and in a way because like you like and you respect yourself, mm-hmm. not because you hate and you below yourself. And I often just think of like a little kid, right? And the kid is not born knowing how to do math or knowing how to walk, right? And so when the kid, the first time the child walks and then they fall down again, you don't sort of say like, well, you fell down, you're never going to walk. Right. You think, oh, say, okay, you fall down, get back up let's learn let's keep going mm-hmm. uh, and for some reason we're for the most part most of us are pretty good when we help children with their growth mindset and i'm sure that there's not everybody's good with that but i think for the most part we know and we try and we understand that they are learning mm-hmm. but we stop when it's when we're older we stop being okay learning new languages or new you know some people come in and they say oh you know i tried running and i'm terrible at it so i'm just going to stop i'm like well 
how many times have you tried? And they're like, well, once. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, of course you're terrible at it. Like, I was terrible at it the first time I tried it too. Like, you're supposed to be bad at it. You're not automatically going to be good at stuff. Like, that's just not how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a rare bird that has a natural talent for something for sure. Um, but even somebody who has huge genetic potential for something is still worse when they start than after you know yeah. a year of training like that is being human you fall down you get back up you learn something mm-hmm. um and for some reason we forget that and then we hold ourselves to these incredibly high standards and it's just not productive it's not helpful mm-hmm. uh, it's not fun like it's so not fun who wants to have this evil roommate in our heads right like <laughs> right it's just yeah. so i don't know like is there well, what do you say to yourself when you have a like when you sort of quote unquote fall down, do you have a growth mindset thing that you say to yourself to help yourself get back up and try again? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important to always look kind of like, as you said, look at everything like a piece of data. And one of the things you talk about is embracing your bad days and in order to make your good days better, where you look at at a situation where things didn't turn out the way that you wanted them to, and you turn it around and you say, this is an opportunity to grow and to be better. And yeah. so that's the way to, to view it. It's like if, if you, if your self identity is not rooted in the activity itself, then you're not yeah. necessarily internalizing it. It doesn't become a label. It just becomes yeah. some extra piece of data that makes you better than you were before. Absolutely. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I love that. Yeah. And I like to sort of work with clients with this idea that, you know, it's a paradigm shift, even though you're always ebbing and flowing. Right. So I think sometimes we think with health, it's like a light switch that either you're unhealthy or you're healthy. You're either on or off. And the thing about it is that we're all going to have better and worse days. It's just that hopefully the better and worse days and the better and worse weeks fluctuate at a higher paradigm. So if I look when I was younger, so I did not grow up there. I was overweight. I was unhealthy. I was all these things. So like, my bad days was like eating two tubs of ice cream, not getting out of bed, hating myself, right? And now my bad day is like, you know, I probably go for like a 5K walk, but I didn't maybe do a run. And, you know, I had, I loved like chocolate. So I had some chocolate and like maybe I stayed up a little bit too late, but, you know, not not three in the morning too late. Like it's just, you know, like I still have days where I'm like, ah, I could have been, you know, I could have aced that a little bit better, but that's okay too. And then, but my good days are like, I do an Ironman or I do a marathon or like so. I mean, we still, everybody vacillates, everybody ebbs and flows. You know, I still have days where I'm like, okay, well, I meant to have the X amount of vegetables and I only had Y amount of vegetables. But like, I look back at when I was a teenager and like, I literally lied to get out of gym class. I would time my route home from school. So I would walk past like certain stores, like a a, a French fried chip wagon, for example. And then I would eat the fries as I walked and then had mouthwash in my bag so that my mom didn't know I had the fries. But I would like make sure my time, I walk home from school still took the exact same amount of time. Like that's how really, like, yeah, like my heart, my heart and my relationship with myself and my body um, was really quite 
fragile and broken and like I just I didn't love myself at all and I just was like drowning so you know what a difference now a bad a worse day is you know and that's the thing is like I just want people listening to know that that what's possible is to trend in the right direction what is not possible is perfection because perfect doesn't exist and that's the thing about a growth mindset is we're looking growth mindset is like healthy striving but it's not unhealthy um, perfectionist mindset where you're just like, well, if I can't be perfect, I'm going to eat chips on my way home from school and like, and lie to my mom. Right. Like, and that's really what I was in a fixed mindset when I was young. Like I was unhealthy. I was unhappy. And, you know, I was eating my way through my parents' divorce and like all that stuff. I was also just a kid. We all, you know, we all have to mature. Um, but I really had in my mind this fixed mindset of like, well, if I cannot be, you know, that girl in that magazine, then why even try? So I might as well just do everything that I know is terrible. Um, and now I'm just like, well, it doesn't matter if I can be that girl in that magazine. That girl in that magazine is airbrushed anyway and probably starved herself for a bunch of days. And I can only be the version of me that I enjoy and I like and like ultimately I have to live with myself and I have to be in my own head and I have to head my put my head on the pillow every night and I want to be proud of you know when I lay my head down I want to be like yeah I did the best I can and I lived in my integrity and you know I'm learning to like myself more and more which I think is is so important you know so that's such a compelling story so was there like a moment when things turned around for you where you decided you were going to going to change your trajectory so I really credit my mom. Um, so what happened was there was no one moment, but there was um, my mom saying to me, and she really her philosophy is what created my first book, Finding Your Fit. Like I will, I'm so grateful to my mom. She just sort of said to me, "Listen, Kathleen, how we have tried to make you active for the first like 16 years of your life has not worked because you do not like being active with your peers. You're embarrassed in gym class, and you just sort of keep." feeling worse and worse about yourself and this is a downward spiral so but I do believe that being active has to be a non-negotiable so we have to figure out what works for you um and she decided to get me a membership at the YMCA and there like at the time we lived in a very small town and then membership to Y was like the demographic was kind of over 40 and under five so I felt okay going just walking on the treadmill for like 10 minutes and so what I got from the experience is that um you can start really small or you should start where you are and where I was was like 10 minutes was enough mm-hmm. um, and then that went into 20 minutes and then 30 minutes and then doing some weights and then taking some aerobics classes and then I started teaching aerobics classes and then I decided this is what I wanted to kind of do like instead of going to law school I was going to do did um, like kinesiology and I did a master's in exercise science and but it really was this very small top domino of just my mom saying like what will you actually do like let's meet you where you are exactly um, and that's what yeah isn't that amazing she's such an amazing mom yeah um, and she's like a single mom and she was so strong and she just and that's what I try to give to my clients honestly this idea of like where are you and what is the smallest thing that we can do, like what, what is a hurdle that you can actually jump over versus making this hurdle that, you know, either you can jump once that you won't stick with, or you can't even jump once. And then you try, you trip and you feel like crap. And then you go back to bed or, you know, um, I just want to meet my clients where they are. I want them to get sort of excited by the process and, and be able to kind of muddle through. And, and, you know, I love this idea of you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to get great. Like I'm a real big believer in just like starting where you are and start. And when you fumble, just get back up again. If you fall down nine times, you get back up 10 times. Like whatever happens, the only thing that matters is you keep going and you don't let one supposed fumble um, spiral you down this crazy rabbit hole of like, well, I wasn't going to have any sugar and I had a cookie, so I might as well have five cookies and now I might as well have ice cream and now I might as well skip a week of workouts and I should just stay and, you know, binge this television show and not leave my house. And, and that's, it sounds silly when I say it, but that's what so many of us do. It's like one thing, one less than perfect choice. And we're just like down the rabbit hole of shame into a million different bad choices. And then it's like, then you really do feel like crap when your head hits the pillow. And that's, that's really what I aim for just to feel um, not like crap when my head hits the pillow. That's a good goal. Absolutely. I know, right? Sometimes it's possible. And sometimes in a global pandemic, it's like, you know, it's a little bit harder. That's a win. But, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best. As I said at the beginning, I'm just sort of, I'm trying to muddle through and, and laugh a little bit and not take the journey so seriously. Like, as a recovering perfectionist, I think it's so easy to be so serious about everything. It's like, oh my God, life is short. Um, and, 
I love Peloton, um, and Cody is one of my favorite instructors, and he's um, he always just sort of says like, um, it's not that deep, boo. It's fitness. He calls everybody boo. I don't know where that comes from, but anyway, it's, he's just like it's not that deep. Just ride your bike. It's just fitness, and that's partly it's like. We all get so in our own heads. It's like, well, it has to be the perfect bike ride. It has to be the perfect stretch. It has to be the perfect post-workout like meal. Yep. It's like, oh my God, it's not that big of a deal. Like have some water. Don't eat five pieces of chocolate cake. Move your body. Get some sleep. And be grateful. Like, you know, there's so many things to be grateful for. Like today the sun is shining. I'm talking to you. We're having a great conversation. You know? Absolutely. So, all right. So give somebody that is maybe not experienced exercising, they, they haven't been working out in a really long time. What are some examples of some really simple, effective workouts that aren't expensive? They're not complicated. What would you suggest in terms of getting things going? Walking is just amazing. Um, at the beginning, you can literally just walk as um, part of your life. Like, go do some errands, start to take some conference calls as you walk. Like, just integrate it into your life. Work on getting some steps. Um, you know, maybe you're working eventually towards 10,000, but maybe start with 5,000 steps a day, and then maybe six, and then seven, with that idea of sort of progressively um, ramping it up. Um, that's definitely number one. Number two, dancing, put on some music, dance around your house. So simple, so fun, right? And no matter, like, if you can't get to the gym, if you can't afford expensive equipment, like you can always do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the resistance band is a great way uh, to do sort of body weight strength exercise with a little bit of an added twist. So it's a band, you know, you can get a band for like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. You want to add an extra five, you can get a door frame attachment. So you can do a bunch of exercises like you would do at the gym, mm-hmm. um, like cable stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send you a link to an article I've written. I've done a bunch of stuff, but on band, like a nice easy at home. Easy, uh, not easy, like simple and effective versus, yeah, convenience is a better way to do it. Like not easy, but yeah, so convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band's great. The band's also good because you can travel with it. And like if you have to travel for work or for family stuff, just take it with you. So that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is more of a concept of piggybacking things into your life. So, you know, um, if you always go for a dog walk instead of sort of a meandering stroll, do some interval training, right? Oh, so. Right. Um, right, go to when you're at the dog park, you know, find a park bench, do some push-ups, do some visits, do some step-ups, like just finding ways to make what you already do more of a workout. I mentioned earlier, like if you take your kids to a sport, then, you know, go for a walk versus being on your phone while they're at practice or do some lunges, do some squats, bring the band to the park with you, attach it to a tree, do some rows. So that's why I like the band. It's very versatile. Um, there's tons of really great at-home free virtual stuff that you can do so if you you know remember sort of Jane Fonda kind of type old school stuff there's um great like free aerobic classes like there's a fitness marshal who does a bunch of like this fun fitness dancing there's um I think her name is oh something Fonda um oh Jenny Ford Jenny Ford Jenny Ford sorry um and she does old school like again free on YouTube like aerobics classes and step classes so um, if you want to do yoga there's um yoga with Adrian is free and so there's lots of really wonderful online resources as well if you're like I'm not I don't feel comfortable yet going to a gym but I want to start doing more than just walking um and lastly just find a friend and do whatever that you guys can do together so you can go to a park and walk around you could um you know try some running you could get jump ropes and try that but like mostly the point of that example is not what you do but that you're doing it together and that you have somebody to be accountable to you know uh pre-covid i had a girlfriend that we would do these like quote unquote fit ventures we would go try different fitness classes together and so you could do something like that where each week you meet and walk at a different park or you try a different fitness class or again you do it at home but it's a different online fitness class um and then that way you have a buddy, you have accountability. It's a little bit social. It's a little bit fun. I think any way that you could make it, um, again, it doesn't necessarily have to be like 100% the best thing ever in the world, but at least if it's not despicable, you know, something you hate, yes, exactly. um, it is, is very important. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. So is there anything I have not asked you that you want to make sure that you leave with our audience? 
No, we talked about scheduling it in. We talked about having a growth mindset, which I think is key. I think we talked a little bit about just sort of experimentation and being okay with not being great at stuff, which I think is really good. I think we touched on sort of self-talk and how you talk to yourself. I think that's a really important concept of sort of being your own ally. Um, And that is huge because you are with yourself every single day. I think the only thing that I sort of alluded to, but I didn't, um, speak about specifically is, is the difference between shame versus guilt because I, I mentioned the idea of shame a lot so it might be significant for people to understand that shame is connected connecting the behavior to you as a person versus guilt is just focusing on the behavior so if we use the idea of like a kid bringing home a bad math test so shame would be like you're stupid you're never going to be good at math you're just like you should just give up like you're just a lazy human being you know an idiot like that's that and that's what we don't want to do to ourselves but guilt would be saying like hey so that behavior is not great, but can we get you a tutor? Were you being bullied? Have you not been getting enough sleep? Mm-hmm. So identifying the behavior that is a, it is the problem right. um, and finding the growth mindset connected to that behavior, right. that's, that's so key in making it really constrained to the behavior and not connecting it to your overall identity. Um, I think that that's key. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just think, you know, we talked about every moment is – in the now is how you create your fitter future self. And I I love James Clear's work. Um, he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And he would say, you know, each choice we make is a vote for the future us that we want to be. Um, and he would also say that you don't have to vote your future person in with 100% of the votes. It doesn't have to be events, right? Like, it can be, like you can vote your, your, your future you in with like 70% of the votes. Because I think that that's the key is you hear that idea of like, well, I vote myself in, well, I have to be perfect. And it's like, no, his point is just like, for the most part, more than not, make choices that you're going to make yourself proud. Like more often than not, grab the salad. More often than not, go for a walk. Um, so I don't know. I think that's about it. And have a little bit of fun. Find things you enjoy. Find a fitness buddy. Um, and just keep working and keep winning. So know that you are going to fall off your fitness horse. That's what's going to happen. Um, it's not an when it will happen is like it's not an if it will happen it's a win like it will eventually happen maybe in a week maybe in two weeks maybe in a month whatever and when it happens like oh right Kathleen told me this was gonna happen okay I'm not gonna shame myself I'm not gonna spiral I'm gonna have a growth mindset I'm gonna get back on my horse but I'm gonna get back on a, a more informed rider so I think that that's a great place to leave it is like course correct whenever you make a choice that you're not proud of course correct as quickly as possible you know not tomorrow morning now right if you have a cookie be like okay fine I wasn't going to eat any sugar but that's okay you know but instead of saying well I'll just have 10 more cookies you know you say nope I'm course correcting now now is a fresh start and I'm going to learn from this experience and that's all we can do as humans right keep working and winning and have a smile as we do it and have some gratitude so much gratitude we're alive Absolutely. You know, this is the problem of privilege of being alive is trying to figure out your health. Mm-hmm, for sure. So where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, KathleenTrotter.com is my website. I love hearing from people. So come on and ask me some questions. And uh, Fit by Kathleen T is um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook kind of idea. It's my social media. Awesome. So I will link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for all of your great wisdom and insight and the fun conversation, Kathleen. Really enjoyed it. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thanks for all the fantastic comments and questions. Like you were, you were right on the ball. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you, so please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. 
You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.